Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hello, and welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week is going to be just a little bit different. It's my birthday, and I want to talk about it. As I look down the barrel of 44 years old, I want to say a bunch of things. The first is that it's nothing like I thought it would be. I didn't really have the ability when I was younger to envision my 40s or 50s or 60s. And honestly, I still don't. And I think some of that is simply just human. Some of that is because I've known my whole life that I didn't want children. And so my life was really unscripted. And also, I've chosen a career path that doesn't have, you know, any kind of common trajectory because it is not a common career path. And so there's not been like a sense of how this career of mine would go. It's really got me to thinking about a lot of things. You know, one of them is about aging as a woman. In this increasingly visual world, you know, we have social media and it's all pictures, pictures, pictures. And I have an increasingly outward facing career. And as I grow old in public, it really, it has me thinking a lot of things, including about the facial deformity that I have and that I was born with. I was born with something called ptosis of the eye, which means that one of my eyelids, I couldn't really open and close it. I like walked around for the first several years of my life with my head tipped back uh, because I was trying to see out of my eye. Um, I call it my little eye because it is in fact a little eye. I mean, my eyeball is the same. My eye socket's the same, but my eyelid is not. And when I was little, I had a surgery. When I was like seven, I had a surgery to correct it, but it didn't correct it. It was quite dramatic. I have a severe case. And, you know, it really deeply shaped my experience of other people, adults and children. And it really deeply shaped my identity in terms of just my self-esteem and all that kind of stuff. And I made a decision because I was blessed to be raised in Canada where socialized medicine is a thing. And I, um, I could have had a surgery when I was a teenager to fix it. And that surgery would have been covered by Canada. Thanks, Canada. I made the decision not to have the surgery. Now, the doctor said there was a 75% chance my eyes would never be the same size and I'd have to have the surgery awake. They'd just be cutting into my eyelid while I was awake. So, I mean, you know, I did it for what were at the time, yes, my feminist principles and are still my, my feminist principles and my spiritual principles. But also, I mean... I didn't want someone cutting into my eyelid while I was awake for it to probably not even do that much difference. So, you know, it was brave for a teenage girl and also not that brave. <laughs> I was also pretty fear inspired. But I made a decision at that time that I wasn't going to get a corrective surgery, not because I have a judgment to people getting corrective surgeries or just being like, I want a different nose. I want different eyes. Do your thing. I mean, everybody has their own path and I'm not judging earnestly. But for me, if I had had that surgery when I was a teenager, I would have done it out of self-hate. I would have done it because I hated my eye and I hated my face and I hated what it meant about me. And what it meant about me is that anyone could look at me and know that I was different and that I didn't fit in and I would never fit in. And 
It's true, dog. It's true. That's what it meant. That's that's what having something on your face or something on your body that marks you as different from the mainstream normal convention of pretty or acceptable. In fact, for most of my life, when people would make eye contact with me, it would it would be hard for them. They wouldn't know which eye to look at. And it really impacted me. It was more dramatic in my teens and 20s. And that was when my self-esteem was a lot more malleable. It was a lot more difficult. I made the choice that I was just going to, I was going to lean into it. And that I did. And I am so grateful that I did. I'm grateful that I did because that was the foundational choice to me being able to come out of the closet when I did. It was foundational to being able to say, fuck it, I want to be an astrologer. And keep in mind that when I when I gave it the old fuck it, I'm going to be an astrologer, it was 1992, 1992, 93. I just made the choice. I was like, well, if, I'm, if, I'm, if this is what I am, if it's on my face and I can't hide it, then I might as well just fucking go with it. And you know what? Best thing that could have happened to me. Here I am, 44 years old, and I still don't like my eye. And as I get old, my eyes, of course, are sagging and drooping and my skin is getting thinner. That's the thing no one told me about. So it hangs different on your damn face and body. But as I age, like a normal human person, that little eye, it just droops further. And every single time I go to the eye doctor, the nice eye doctors suggest surgeries so that, you know, I look better. And most of my life when people have been like, oh, I'll draw your picture. They've been like, do you want me to draw your eye the way it really is? And, you know, I've always said, yeah, yeah, do that. And no, no, thank you. I won't have that surgery. I'm sure that modern medicine has come a long way. So please don't generously suggest that I get a surgery now because it would be better. I'm sure it would be better now. And I still don't want it for the same reasons. I am proud to be 44 years old. I am proud of the horrendous mistakes I've made in my life. I'm proud of the terribly messy journey that I have taken and also the very tidy and prophetic choices I have made. I'll say this, the way that I look is the least interesting part about me. When we make the way that we look the most important part of what we are, it gets really hard to age, especially for women and for femmes. I am deeply aesthetic. I have a lot of clothes and like, I can't count how many shades of red lipstick I have. I don't give a fuck. I have so many and I care about the way I look. So I'm not trying to say that I don't care about those things. I'm saying holding those things in proportion to the value that they actually have on me as a soul, on me as a person. Keeping in context, I will grow old. I can't imagine what I'm going to be like at 60. I can't imagine what it's going to feel like to have the smooth planes of my face become deep ridges. I don't know. What will it feel like when it used to be, hey, baby, and now it's, hey, auntie, and then it'll be, hey, grandma. I don't know what it'll feel like, but I know it'll come. Instead of that inspiring fear in me, and it earnestly doesn't, it makes me really curious about who I am beyond the body. I want to share that with you because because I know how hard it is and how much pressure there is to look away. And I got to say, whatever you feel, whatever your life choices are, are yours. Your feelings are yours. Your choices are yours. But I somehow have ended up with this public-facing career. Never saw that shit coming. And I am choosing to be a woman who says, I am 44 years old. 
if you see my picture, you you may feel that I could pass for late 20s or more realistically, early or mid 30s, but I choose not to pass. You might look at me and think, oh, that's a nice straight lady. And no, I'm not. I'm not heterosexual and I have never been heterosexual and I choose to be out. And these are choices that I make because it makes me feel right with myself. But also, and this is, this is the other thing that I've really been thinking about as I turn the corner into kind of, you know, my, my mid 40s. I never saw all the things that have happened in the last four years for me coming. And it's funny that I say that because I'm an astrologer. I'm a psychic. What do you mean you didn't see it coming? But let me explain. Being an astrologer, there was no industry for astrologers. It's not like all the like astrology writing jobs that there were, and there weren't that many. And it's not like they were particularly accessible to working astrologers. They were more accessible to people in the publishing industry. The internet has democratized the dissemination of information. Amazing. So that everyone can publish on social media or on their personal websites or blogs their astrology. And if people like it, then they'll return to those places, social media or the blog or whatever. So there's just been this this thing that's happened with social media and the internet that has led to this renaissance for astrology and astrologers and all forms of woo for witches and for psychics and tarot readers. And around all of this are opportunities that just, I could never have seen them coming. If you had asked me five years ago, do you ever think you'll have a show? Do you ever think you'll do anything, you know, in front of a camera? I would have told you and I did tell some people who I talked to about it emphatically, firmly, and with no ambiguity, no fucking way. And it was no way, not because I didn't think I had something to share, because I have dedicated my life to the work that I do, and I know that I can help people. I mean, there's a lot of things I don't know about myself and what I'm capable of, but I do know that I'm good at what I do, and I love what I do. I really do. But I also felt that I knew that there was no way in hell that a person with asymmetrical eyes was ever going to end up with her face pointed towards public. I was wrong. I was really wrong. And, you know, I feel really grateful that I'm learning that I was wrong. And I don't know if I was wrong because I was just wrong or if the world has changed or if as I've grown older, like so many other women in their 40s and 50s, I have really let go more of the way I look and let go more of my attachment to what people think or feel about my face. And I have developed greater self-acceptance and that people are responding positively to that greater self-acceptance. I don't know. I don't get to know, you know, but I do get to share the questions with you. I do get to share this with you. And I think that it's a really important thing to consider How much of the way people respond to the way you look is actually about them responding to the way you feel about the way you look? How much of it? I don't know, but you know what? Neither do you. And it's worth considering, especially if you're a person who thinks about the way you look a lot. And if you think about it from the perspective of not the joy you get from considering how you look, but the sense of acceptance, validity, or safety you get from the way you look. I got to say, getting older, yes, of course, there are downsides to it. But so far, I mean, I got to tell you, the upsides way, way outweigh the downsides. It is really hard in your 20s because you look like an adult 
right? You, you are an adult. Okay, fine. You're an adult. You can't see it, but I'm using my little like quotey fingers. You're an adult. But the truth is the bulk of your life experiences happened as a child. They happened in your childhood. My partner was teasing me the other day because I refer to my twenties as my childhood. Uh, and I do it because I'm an astrologer and I, I can't help it. When you're pre-set and return from my view, you're still in your childhood. Of course, not the part of your childhood where you are kind of cared for and provided for, theoretically, not all children are, unfortunately, but your body is an adult. You are in this position where you're making adult choices in adult milieu, but you're standing on your own two feet for the first time in your 20s. It's really hard to make good choices and to not screw it up spectacularly. I think that all of us do screw it up spectacularly and we learn from our mistakes. We learn from the mistakes of the people around us. We learn. And that's what I hope you do. The way you look, your body, your face, God damn it, that's important. But it's not more important than the way you feel in your own skin. And it's not more important than your soul, than your integrity than being able to look back at this time and say, I tried. And I tried about the things I care about. It is more important to feed what you truly feel called to, what you truly want in life, instead of your fears. I have a terror (laughs) of public speaking. I don't like it. Turns out I'm pretty good at it. That's not the point. The point is, I'm scared of it and I do it anyways. Because I don't like to let fear dominate my choices. I've been writing a weekly horoscope every week since 2003. I haven't missed a single week. I haven't taken a single week off since 2003. And as I say this to you, it is 2019. Every single week. (laughs) Every single week. Without exception since 2003. I get nervous when I publish. I am so concerned when I write. I place a great deal of pressure on myself because I see the responsibility that I have. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because the fear is information. It's not any information about anything other than I'm scared and this is how I'm holding it. The fear is not what I make my decision based on. Our most powerful feelings are not necessarily our wisest feelings. I'm so glad that I've challenged myself to move beyond my fears professionally and personally because the fear gets a little weaker year after year. (laughs) And while I have not yet, you know, moved past the fear to the extent at which I don't have it anymore, I've gotten a better relationship going with my fears and I've seen the benefits of trying anyways. And I got to say, in some ways, you know, it's easy for me to say these things because I don't want conventional things for the most part. So the things that I've, I've gone for, I've been able to give myself a lot of space to go for. But I just want to encourage you as a birthday gift from me to you for my own damn birthday. I want to encourage you to be willing to try something that you're scared of, but that you know you feel called to. Because even if you fail, even if you fuck up, it is worth it. That is a building block. And you just pile them on top of each other until you build what you want to build. That's just kind of how life is. Just because you're not there at 25, just because you can't see it, doesn't mean you're not going to get there. and doesn't mean that it won't come. There's no way I could have seen where my life was going to take me because the things that have taken me where I am now didn't exist 10 years ago. 
They didn't fucking exist. That's for me, mind blowing. And maybe a 60 year old is listening to me right now and being like, yeah, bitch, that's life. I don't know. Or maybe life is just changing really quickly. Maybe that's my unique experience. I don't know. But what if that's the truth for you too? What if you can't see it because it doesn't exist yet, but your willingness to go for it is going to be part of what helps to create it? That's my hope. Just fucking try. Just try to have what you want to be who you want to be, to move towards what you truly want to have in your life. Just fucking try. And look at your face, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how many stupid lines you have in it, how thin or thick or scarred or burnt, whatever, no matter how fucked up or how gorgeous your face is, own it. That is your face. That's yours. Own it. Don't hate your fucking skin. Don't hate yourself. Because that hate, it's misplaced. It really is. This is yours. It's yours to carry. It's yours to care for. Take care of yourself. I'll stop being cheesy now, but I mean it. Okay, thanks. Goodbye. It's PSA time, my friends. I've got different organizations linked in the liner notes of this episode. And if you're feeling super itchy to give me a birthday present, you can donate to any or all of them. I would really love it. There's Races, a nonprofit agency that promotes justice by providing free and low-cost legal services to underserved immigrant children, families, and refugees. They are amazing. They do great work. Find out about it and support it any way you can. Also, please consider donating to the ACLU. They play a leadership role in challenging the relentless efforts of the current American administration to undermine the Constitution and trample on people's constitutional rights. These are great places to put your money, especially if you're looking to give a certain astrologer a birthday present. Welcome back to the Astrology Corner of Ghost of a Podcast. This week, we're going to look at the first week of 2019. We're looking at January 6th through the 12th, and this week has a lot of astrology to talk about. On the 6th, the planet Uranus shifts from a retrograde motion to a direct motion in Aries, and it will stay there in the sign of Aries until the 7th of March, 2019, when it will move into Taurus, where it will stay until the spring of 2026. Kind of a big deal. All the planets move retrograde except for sun and moon. So when the outer planets move through the sky, they're they're doing their retrograde thing all the damn time, just back and forth, back and forth. That's just life. But now that we have had Uranus doing its thing in Aries and it is in its final movement forward, what I want you to really consider is the role of individualism in your life. Have you been embodying your true self in the ways that are true to you? Or have you been doing it in a reactionary way? That is the downside of Uranus in Aries on a personal scale. Aries is a sign of, quote, maleness or men. And I say, quote, because I don't know, I have such you know my thing with gendering planets and signs. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it. But that said, here we go. Uh, a lot of stuff around maleness has been hella up, really, really up. Uranus is about sudden and unexpected change. It's about coming to greater wholeness 
through owning your autonomy and individuality. And so here we have had a period in history where men and the concept of maleness has had an opportunity to transform by getting more real about what it is and what it isn't, right? So we may see some really meaningful changes, societally speaking, in that regard. Also, the reason why I don't like gendering energy in that way is just because, listen, we all have all the planets, all the signs in all of us. When we talk about maleness, we're really talking about being the hunter, right? The go out and getter, the decider, and the one who struggles to make it happen. Now, let's not gender that. Shall we instead say, this is a great time for you to really look at the ways in which you are hiding or relying too heavily upon the hunt? So hiding from the hunt or relying too heavily upon the hunt. This is a powerful time to look at your relationship to actualizing things in your life and how you respond to other people who are moving forward and making things happen. As Uranus moves direct, we're just going to see some things clarify that have been uncertain. And I'll be really interested to see how this one plays out, in particular because it is still happening during Capricorn season. This this moving direct in the sign of Aries. Uh, Capricorn and Aries have kind of a tumultuous push-pull relationship. I'm the boss. No, I'm the boss. I'm Angela. No, I'm Tony. That's a who's the boss reference. And if you're too young, you don't get it. Oh, well, you should get it. Who's the boss? Is it Angela? Is it Tony? Is it Aries? Is it Capricorn? That is a solid metaphor. On the seventh, we have Venus moving from sexy Scorpio to expansive Sagittarius. Now, this is a lovely transit because it offers the opportunity for us to connect and to kind of get out of our own way. Venus and Scorpio is so brooding and intense, and it wants deep, intense, transformative connection. And Sagittarius wants experience. There's a little less complicated discretion than Scorpio does. And so this is a great time for putting yourself out there, trying new things, exploring, just, just meet new people, try new ways of connecting to people. Why don't you? I say, why don't you? On the 8th, things get a little more serious as Mercury, the planet of communications and the sign of Capricorn, forms a square to Mars in Aries. Who's the boss, you say? I don't know. Who is the boss? So this is an irritating transit. This is when you're likely to feel really irritated by people or situations, quick to react, quick to get annoyed. It's not an easy time for diplomacy, my friends. And it's not made easier by the fact that Venus just moved into Sagittarius, which is a little bit of a, you know, Sagittarius is a little bit of a foot in the mouth kind of sign. So I would urge you to breathe before you react around this date to not assume the worst when people bug or offend you. Give people a little bit of grace and latitude around this date because if you don't, they might not give it to you either and you may make mistakes. This is a time where people are more likely to blurt stupid shit out. On the positive, this is also a really great time to get things done, especially things that require some daring or courage because Mars brings with it daring and courage and Mercury in Capricorn is actually quite like a literal placement for Mercury to be in Capricorn. And so there can be a, a way that you actually have an accurate and grounded appraisal of your situation and have the courage and willingness to do something about it. This is not a really easy time to process with people. It is an easy time to fight with people. So if you find yourself in a fight with someone you're actually invested in, that you actually care about, that you actually want peace in, please remember to listen. 
And if you find that you're too irritated and defensive to listen for reals, then excuse yourself. I, I encourage you to excuse yourself because this combination can make people quite defensive. Now, finally, on the 11th, we have an exact sun conjunction to Pluto in Capricorn, and this is not chill. This particular transit brings up compulsive feelings. It can make you feel inspired to cyberstock, to obsess on things that bring you pain, to kind of press on a wound, not in a way that helps it heal, but telling yourself that you're helping it heal. Your most powerful feelings and impulses are not necessarily your most reliable ones. And that is a thing that I've said before, but watch me go. I'm going to say it a lot more over the course of time because it is really a hard lesson to learn. Our most insistent and compulsive feelings and thoughts seem like the truth in the moment. And then when the moment passes, we can see it a little more clearly. My advice to you at this time is to not engage with your own internal compulsions. Instead, to be present for them. Don't abandon yourself when you feel crappy, but also don't chase the the most self-destructive of your own impulses. Instead, just breathe and don't engage. You know, I say to people all the time in my writing and on the podcast, do this, just love yourself enough to do that. And I get asked this question all the time. How do you love yourself? What does it mean to love yourself? And, you know, I've really struggled with how do I appropriately respond to that question? Because in some ways, it's really different for everybody. It is. Um, How the active, tangible ways that I express love and care for myself might be really different than the ways that you do it because my injuries are going to be different than yours and my circumstances and my assumptions are going to be different than yours. The most practical way I can put it, because let's keep in mind, the Sun and Pluto are both in practical Capricorn. The most practical way that I can put it is this. When you decide that what you feel doesn't matter, you have decided that you're not going to love yourself. When you decide that you're going to punish yourself for having made a mistake, that is not an act of love. When you decide to hurt yourself, actively hurt yourself and hide it from others or compulsively talk about it with others or anything in between, that is not an act of love. If you love cats, if you love dogs, if you love babies, if you can't figure out what it means to love yourself, think about who you love and how you love them and try to give yourself as a baseline that same amount of love. The sun conjunction to Pluto is a moment where you're really going to be on call to find active ways of loving yourself through unpleasant or upsetting feelings and thoughts, or perhaps unpleasant or upsetting situations. Do whatever you can, but do something to validate and act from that place of love. My friends, it's worth it because this particular transit can mark a moment where you are at a turning point where you change. And I don't mean a surface change. I mean a deep and profound change. That might mean you've been struggling with your drinking and all the feelings that usually lead you to drink more, and then you just don't this particular day. It can mean that you've been struggling with eating in healthy ways for your body and you instead just starve yourself. And if you can on this date, actually feed and nurture your body when you'd rather abandon and starve your body, this will have a meaningful and powerful foundational 
shift for you. So do your best to do your best around this date and see how it has, see how it goes. You don't have to change the world or change your whole entire personality overnight, but try to make the difficult and healthy choice around the 11th. And I think, I think it'll go really well for you. All right, my loves, I hope this horoscope is helpful. And as always, if you want more astrology, you can go to my website and read my weekly horoscopes, monthly or year ahead horoscope. And if you want to ask me a question for this podcast, you can go to my website and go to the ghost of a podcast tab and send me a question. And hopefully I will get to answer it. If you like what you're hearing and you are subscribing to it, please do. Please star and rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It does mean so much to me. Also, if you haven't yet downloaded my app, Tiny Spark, it is an app for iOS and it is adorable and so wonderful. I love using it and I love seeing how other people are using it. So please go ahead and do that while it is still free. Uh, it won't be free forever. Do your thing. Be kind. Be kind when it would be easier to be shitty. That's my hope for you this week. Be kind when it would be easier for you to be shitty. My loves, I will talk to you next week. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here, yeah, we're still here.